Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. <laughs> well, I don't know how many of you have uh, tried to have someone catch you, and maybe they drop you. I hope not. I hope not. But we're talking about trust today. And uh, I was looking at that video, chuckling as you were, hopefully, but also wondering how many people really would trust jumping off of something into someone else's arms. How many times do we, well, do we find it difficult to trust in God? We're in a series called Trusting God and the Unknown, and one thing we know that these times are uncertain and unknown. Uh, sometimes we think things are going to go one way one week and they can be changed the next week. We're not sure. But God is a God who knows all things all the time, and he's already lived in our tomorrows. So I encourage you to trust him. I heard a story about a little boy who uh, got his mask on. He was ready to go to a little convenience store at the corner of his, of his street, and he got on his bike. He had his money in a little Ziploc bag, and and he went to the convenience store and he bought a box of Tide detergent. When he went to check out, the cashier said, oh, how great, young man. You're going to go home and do your family's laundry. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. Well, maybe you're buying the soap for, for someone else. He goes, yeah, my mom does the laundry, but this is for me to wash my cat, my cat. <laughs> well, a few days later, he comes back to the store to get some candy and some Cheetos. And the cashier said to him, how is your cat? And he put his head down, sad and somber. He said, my cat died. Huh. Well, the cashier said, hey, listen, don't you remember I told you before you left the store that Tide wasn't good for cats? He said, no, it wasn't the tide that killed my cat. It was the spin cycle. <laughs> well, no doubt the little boy understood that if he put the cat in the laundry or the washing machine, that the cat would get clean. What happened? It didn't work. Cat died. Now, it's a silly story. I get it. But when life seems like a spin cycle for us, when something specific or a major crisis strikes us, we need to stop and trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. I hear these words for myself. I hear them for you. Many of you know the words from Proverbs chapter 3. When I read them, you'll read them along with me, but no doubt you can, you can even quote the scripture. Proverbs 3, 5 and 7 says these words, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, or NIV, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your ways. In other words, Solomon tells us here, don't you dare hold anything back. Trust in the Lord with all that you have and in all the things that you face. But here's a problem. We have a problem with trust. And why? Well, number one, I submit to you, we have a problem with trust because we're fairly capable. 
I think of a lot of you that I, I, I know personally. You guys, you guys are capable. You can problem solve on your own. Do you need the Lord? Can you do things without God? Can you get ahead of God? And sometimes we do that. But that's why we're told to trust the Lord and to acknowledge Him in all of our ways. In other words, invite Him into every decision and every choice that we make. Now, the second thing is very important too. Oh, we have some very capable family and friends. See, we have a problem with trust because there are people in our lives that can help us get through things. We believe in the narrative that when we are up against the pain of life, there'll be someone there to get us through, someone else to pick us up, rather than trusting in God. Now, let me give you a little explanation. There's nothing wrong with a good support system. There's nothing wrong with family and friends who can help us in our time of need. But when they become the substitute for trust in God, well, we have a problem with trust. The third thing is we can feel distant from God when things are not going our way. Like he's abandoned us. Where is God in this moment? Where'd you go, God? How can I trust in you when I can't even see you or find you? And the fourth thing is that we cultivate bad habits of worry. You know, the uh, researchers tell us that when we pray, it actually causes our immune system to rise and our happiness to rise as well. And when we worry, it actually diminishes our immune system and causes happiness to flee from us. Worry. It can also lead us to, to denial. I'm worried so much about something, I'm over-anxious about it that I deny it even exists anymore. Worry has become my new problem. Now, if you're younger than me, and many of you are, I want to tell you something that I've learned. You will not outgrow worry. You'll never reach a magical age of 30 or 40 or 50 or 70 or 80 and say, oh, I outgrew worry. You're never going to outgrow worry because worry is a part of the flesh. It's on the inside. We worry. You know, Jesus said, take no thought for tomorrow because tomorrow has enough people worrying about it already. <laughs> Consider the birds that fly. They don't worry about their next meal or the lilies of the field that are adorned in greater uh, robes, the beauty of the flower, greater than even Solomon. So he tells us to just put our trust in God, to not be so consumed with worry about tomorrow that we forget to trust God and worship him today. You will not outgrow it, I promise you. But you can make a choice. You see, trust is a choice and worry is a choice. So let's pretend that this this little journal here that I have is worry. It's filled with page after page of worry, things that I have written out that I'm, I'm worried about and I'm obsessing about. I'm so worried. And what if we just took the journal of worry or our worry itself and just said, I'm out, and let it go. Push it aside. doesn't mean it doesn't exist or reasons for you to worry have stopped. But you get rid of it, and you begin to say, I'm going to bring 
trust in. I'm going to push worry aside and I choose to trust God. Trust the Lord with all your heart. It's a choice. We can fret, we can worry. It's a choice. Now, you can't control every thought that comes into your mind. But you can decide whether or not you're going to dwell on it over and over again. When you think about and talk about the problem more than you rehearse the promises of God, you do not trust. I do not trust. When we doubt the biblical principles that God has given us and His faithfulness, we're going to miss the most important thing. And here it is again, Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean. We talk about leaning in on things these days. Well, lean on the understanding of God. Why? Because you can't understand it all. So here's a question for you. What do I do, what do you do that keeps me from trusting God? It would be a great exercise for you to grab a piece of paper, not in the journal of worry, but in the journal of trust, and write down what keeps you from trusting God and look at it. What keeps you from trusting God? If you're married, I'll encourage you as a married couple to sit together and ask yourself the question, what's keeping us from trusting God like we should? Parents, I'm going to ask you that question. I know you're concerned about your kids. I had a mom email me recently saying she's concerned about the fall and about school and what it's going to be like. And is it going to keep changing? What do we really expect? And how do we navigate childcare? I mean, the list went on and on. And as I read this email, well, I was actually prone to worry just a little bit. And so I wrote back to her. I said, you know what? You can worry and consider. I mean, be informed. Find out what's happening with the school. But you could worry every single day about decisions you can't make. You're not the superintendent of school. You're not on the school board. What if you just trusted God that he cares about your kids as much as you do? Trust in God. You see, long before you face a problem, God already has a plan. Long before this happened, I mean, none of us on January 1, 2020, or December 31st, 2019, with noisemakers in hand and maybe people around a table full of food and chips and dip. None of us had this plan that, guess what's going to happen? Come February, come March, COVID's coming. We didn't really know. Some people back then, even some of our friends were sick. We didn't know what it was. Who would have known about our tomorrow? See, long before there was a problem or this season, God had a plan. So what must we do? Well, I began to look through the scriptures to find a Bible character we could relate to and a Bible story that would help us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. And I came across 1 Samuel chapter 30. If you have a Bible, you'd like to open there. Now, David has just left the ranks of the Philistines. He's fighting with them. This is in his uh, broken series, and 
And while he's living his life, I mean, Saul is still on the hunt for David. The Philistine army began to to think maybe that David had betrayed them. And they're marching now over the hill, David and about 600 soldiers that he trained. They're marching over the hill. They're coming into the valley and they look down and their whole city has been burned to the ground. And their wives and their children are gone, presumably dead. They don't know that they've only been captured. And I love these words because it seems so fitting. Then it happened. Then it happened. It, it, it came to pass. It, it sprang forward. It showed up unannounced. We're marching over the hill back into Ziklag, and all of a sudden we see the burned down community. We see our own homes, smoldering ash. We can smell that smell. And it happened that the Amalekites had made a raid on the Negev and the Ziklag and had overthrown Ziklag and burned it with fire. And down in verse 2 to 4, it says, And they took captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great, without killing anyone. Again, they didn't know that. And carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and sons and daughters had been taken captive. They were gone. And David and the people who were with him lifted their voices and wept until there was no strength in them to weep anymore. They've cried their eyes out. They have grieved their souls out. There's nothing left inside of them. Never think that trusting God will cause you to be immune to weeping. And never believe that following after the Lord will always be easy street. It's always a downhill run. Everything's made in the shade for you. Don't ever think that. And by the way, don't ever tell people to suck it up, to be stoic, and not to cry. After all, trust in the Lord and don't ever cry or don't ever grieve. That's not true. Matter of fact, God made us with the ability, with the emotion to grieve and sense pain and sense loss. Paul speaks about it in 1 Thessalonians 4.13. He says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, those who are dying, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. You see, Paul is telling them, it's okay to grieve. We grieve the loss of loved ones. And no one can tell you how long to grieve. No one can say things to you that are, I think are utterly silly when people say, well, we have closure now. Closure from what? When you lose somebody and they mean the world to you, you will remember them all the days of your life at various times. It might be weather. It might be a picture. It might be a song. It might be food. It might be something that just, your memory comes back. And you're grieved again, sometimes for decades upon decades. But Paul says, listen, we don't grieve like those who don't understand. When you lose somebody who's in the Lord, I mean, 
It's a cherished moment. It's a moment of celebration for those that are absent from us, but present with the Lord. He, he says to them, when we grieve, we grieve, but not like the rest of mankind, because we have hope, knowing there is something for them of life eternal after this life. And that gives us hope. Well, back to 1 Samuel 30. Now, David's two wives have been taken captive. And it goes on to say this one word, more over. More over, David was greatly distressed. And I believe the word in the Hebrew allows me to say what I'm about to say. The word distressed is the word depression. That there was a depression inside the heart of David. It was dark in his soul. And he is, as the uh, uh, new King James says, he is desperate for God. He's desperate for God to do something. He's in a desperate situation here. Some of you are feeling the moreovers of this season. Issues at home, maybe older kids who've gone astray, finances gone someplace. You're weary and drained. Some of you are going through the motions. God bless you in this season. David had trained up these warriors, these 600 men, and now they want to stone him. They want to throw rocks at him till he dies. They feel that he was an insider, like a spy who had betrayed them. Because if he would have cared for them, he would have made sure someone was guarding Ziklag while they were gone to war. David's got a big red target on his back. And they turn against him. David... <laughs> went ahead and tried to fix the problem the best he could, but no answers, no hope. What do you do to trust God in the unknown? Well, I think we find the answer in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. But David strengthened. That word strengthened could also be the word Courage or encourage. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. He lost his wife. He lost his kids. Now he's lost the loyalty of his team. Huh. I heard this phrase this week that reminded me. I, I knew it before, but I had not used it or heard it in years. The people in your circle are not always the people in your corner. The people in your sphere of relationship are not always the one who will fight for you when the going gets tough. They just might get going away from you. Or they might turn like David's 600 men did and say, let's stone him to death. I think about David. I mean, how did David even begin to to strengthen himself. Well, remember what he said in Psalm 27.1, and if you were with us this Wednesday night, this past Wednesday at 6 p.m., we were studying in the Psalms. This was our psalm of study. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Psalm 27.1. Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He personalizes who God is and declares his character 
over his life. The Lord is my light, not this darkness. The Lord is my salvation, not myself. The Lord is the stronghold who holds me together in his strength when I can't hold myself together. How did David get through these times? Well, let me ask you a question. What has God done to cause us to cease believing in him and trusting him? It's a great question. If right now you're having difficulty trusting in the Lord, flinging your your book or your journal of worry away, why? Why? Why are we, who are as blessed as we've been, Able to say, I'm not going to trust God. See, if someone scammed you, I would understand you not trusting them. Let's say you pay someone for a service, they promise to provide it, and they never deliver. Or like some people who have been going around, even in our county, coming up to people saying, hey, do you need our labor and, and our material? If you pay us some money up front, and they work for a few hours, and they go to lunch, and they're gone. They've taken all your money. They don't come back to finish the job, and the job that they started was shoddy work. Or you buy something that says it's guaranteed, and it breaks, and you take it back, and they say, we can't take it back. Now, when somebody scams you or somebody, oh, somebody does something to you that causes them to be in the untrustworthy category, I get that. But let me ask you this question. Where has God ever not caught you when you've fallen? Where has God ever scammed you or told you, I will do something, and he doesn't come through? Again, he may not always come through in your timing, but he's never been unfaithful or untrustworthy. So trust God in all things. But how could David, who was cornered and about to be stoned, inspire himself, encourage himself, strengthen himself in the Lord. How did he do it? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us in this story how he did it. But I believe his life does. As we look at the life of David, we can unpack some of the very things that we know he must have done to strengthen himself. And I think the first thing is a lesson for us. It's number one, be careful about what you say to yourself. Be careful. All of us talk to ourselves. Confession, I talk to myself, but you do too. We all hear voices, and some of the voices we hear are our own voices. Psalm 42, 5, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I yet will praise him, my Savior and my God, why are you downcast, O my soul? You know the word downcast there is the word that we get for a sheep that has found itself on its back. Now, David's a shepherd, and he would use terminology like this. And David also knew that if a sheep gets on its back, and no doubt you've heard this before, that even if the sheep paws at the air to try to ride itself, it will do so to no avail. And all the blood within the extremities of the sheep will go into its heart and flood its heart, as it were. The heart is unable to pump that much blood in one setting. 
and the sheep will eventually die unless the shepherd comes and picks it up and puts it right side up. That's the word downcast. And David talks to himself, why my soul? Are you like a sheep on its back that can't get right? Why are you so disturbed within me? What's up with you, soul? Get with the program, soul. Rise up, soul, and put your hope in God. For yet, I will praise him. He doesn't say that the reason for his soul to be downcast left him. He just chooses in this moment to not be disturbed, to put his hope in God, and to praise the Lord, his Savior, and his God. The second thing is, be mindful of all that God has done. It's easy for us to forget all the deliverances and the rescues that God has provided in our lives, how he's come through for us. Psalm 103, David tells his soul again, some great self-talk here. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. Praise the Lord, my soul. And don't you dare forget all of the benefits of God. The God who is our satisfier. I think it's easy for us to forget the good things God has done. But I encourage you, if you want to trust God in the unknown, to rehearse or to write down all the things that God has done for you or your family. How he's seen you through situations that seem to be insurmountable. Remember what God has done. Number three, be focused on the greatness and majesty of God. We get this from Psalm 104, where David says, praise the Lord, my soul. He's, he's having a constant discussion with his soul. Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. In other words, God, I see you on the throne. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Don't let me just see you as, as, as a man or even a ruler, but let me see you as the king, majestic, high, and lifted up, and filled with splendor. You're amazing. Matter of fact, so amazing that the rest of Psalm 104, he talks about God's amazing works in creation. And number four, be determined to praise God in all situations for all your life. I get that from Psalm 146, 1 and 2. I mean, there's so many psalms where he says, praise the Lord. But this one says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. God, as long as you give me breath, I will praise you as long as I live, and I will sing praise to my God. I have to stop here and say, sometimes when we choose worry over anything else, it's, it's hard to praise God. And sometimes some of you think that singing is, well, that's for the worship team. You know, that's just for those people that stood up here today. No, God wants to hear you sing. And if we worship some, some 12, 15, 20 minutes on a Sunday, that's not enough. 
God wants to hear you sing. I remember a dear gentleman in our church told me, he still goes to our church. He said, well, pastor, if I sing, you're going to empty out the sanctuary because my voice is horrendous. And I looked at him and I said, but God doesn't think so. And he just kind of chuckled. Well, I don't sing like I I can't carry a tune in a bucket. Well, you know what? There's nowhere in Scripture, I can't find it, that says only the good singers get to sing. Only the, the eloquent praisers get to praise. Only those who really, I mean, would be worthy of recordings get to sing. No, that's not what God says. And I looked at this gentleman and I said, you know what? When you sing, God looks down at you and says, that's my boy. (laughs) Now, if you know people who don't sing well, listen, encourage them. Sing to God. Find a spot in the backyard. Find a spot on a trail. The other morning I was walking early in the morning and I heard this sound. It sounded like a sick coyote coming my way. And it was a gentleman who had earbuds in, and he was singing a song, a church song. And I thought, wow, that's really good. And boy, did it sound bad. And I felt checked in my heart because I was listening to a leadership podcast. It was a good podcast. But here was this man walking and singing praise to his God, and he forgot, I guess, how loud he was. And I felt kind of checked because I go, wow, that's really bad. Lord, sorry you got to hear that, right? And God reminded me, nope, that's my boy. He's singing praises to me. Hey, would you sing to God? It's good for your soul. And number five, be confident in your trust in the Lord and do not worry. Do not worry. He says in Psalm 37, this is David again, do not fret. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy pasture. Take delight in the Lord. Even in the midst of a reason to worry, he said, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Refrain from anger. Boy, being angry is easy to do these days. And turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. It's recorded three times in the first eight verses of Psalm 37. Do not worry. Do not fret. Do not be filled with anxiety. I love what Bob Goff, author and humanitarian, says. He says, I trust God because he's the best author. I think God doesn't spell out everything for us in life, but he does tell us how we can write our lives better, and trusting him implicitly is always the right place to start. And number six, commit your way to the Lord. Psalm 37, verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Now, when we read this word commit, we can sometimes think it just means be loyal to God, uh, keep your promises to the Lord, and all that's good. But this word commit implies that we take all of our worries and give them to God. It literally means that we roll them up, kind of like a sleeping bag we use. We, we, we fold it, and then we, we, we roll it. We roll it tight because we want to get it back in that, that sleeve that it came in, that, that container it came in. And then we take it on our next trip in a backpack or in our car or whatever. Would you picture this in your mind, taking all of your worries and anxieties 
like a sleeping bag. Fold them up, roll them up, put them back in their container, and then watch. Give them to God. That's what the Apostle Peter would say. Cast all your anxiety or your care upon God because he cares for you. Roll them up and give them to God. Take your worry, fling it away from you. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It's now out of your purview. You take it away and you choose to trust God and roll all your anxieties up upon the Lord. You see, when we experience worry, we have to turn our worry into prayers. And the best weapon against worry is trusting God with all our heart, in all our ways, in all our circumstances. Well, dear God, I ask you to help us to trust you. And Lord, the greatest trust we ever have is trusting in Jesus Christ, your Son, to be our Savior, to call upon you, to believe in you, and to confess you as our Lord. You know, if you've yet to do that, give him your life. I encourage you even today that you would. And I want to just say this word. If, if I'm a stumbling block to you or our church or the body of Christ, when you look at organized religion or church, uh, could, could you get us out of the way for a moment and just you and God have a conversation where you ask him, Lord, do I really trust you? And Lord, have I trusted in your son Jesus to be my Savior? And if that's you today and you're deciding to follow Christ, if you trust us enough, would you text Decide Jesus to 555-888? Decide Jesus to 555-888. We want to celebrate your decision. And if you, like some have recently done, when you get a response, if you have questions, just Type that back or text that back to us and say, I have questions. We want to help you navigate your way to God. And we want to help you with whatever resources that we can. I don't know where you're worrying today. I don't know where you've allowed worry to come into your life. But here would be my final admonition to you. Spend time with God. Spend time thinking about the Lord. And do whatever it takes. You could use the list today to spend time with God so that you might be strengthened, that you might have fresh courage or be encouraged. Now, if you got these notes down, great. But if you, by some reason, missed out on these notes, if you go to mylefc.com and click on resources, we have some notes with the fill-ins for you. And you can just download that as a PDF file. You could write it down in your own journal, whatever you want. Because I would love you to have this list, the list that David, I believe, used to strengthen himself in the Lord, that you would be strengthened as well. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.